so as you can see, I am not Doug. I don't even have any Converse shoes, so I, f- I feel ill-prepared to be up here today. Uh, so if somebody wants to take pity on me at some point, I wear a size eight and a half. Uh, <laughs> Chris is out of town. He's on vacation, probably on a mountain somewhere climbing. Um, and Doug called me yesterday, and he is sick. Ran in a fever, and so he tapped in the newly ordained deacon, Reverend Becky Clark. I know I just just kind of had to st- stick it in for my. <laughs> so here we go. Here we go. Our uh, scripture reading. He had scripture reading from uh, the book of Kings. Uh, we're going to deviate from that, and we're going to read out of the book of Acts, chapter two, verses forty-two through forty-seven. Hear the word of the Lord. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, daily, those who were being saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. There was a kindergarten teacher who gave her class a show-and-tell assignment to bring something that represented their religion. So the first child came in, got up in front of the class, and said, My name is Benjamin, and I'm Jewish, and this is my Star of David. And so then the second child got up and said, My name is Mary, and I'm Catholic, and this is my crucifix. And then that third child got up from front of the class and said, my name is Tommy, and I'm Methodist, and here is my casserole. (laughs) And casseroles are why I joined the United Methodist Church, because nothing says community and unity quite like a church potluck and a casserole. Our scripture reading this morning comes, comes right after Pentecost, Pentecost that we just talked about two weeks ago that we celebrated. Pentecost, the receiving of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised would come to the people. The Holy Spirit would be our guide and our counselor. The Holy Spirit that's one of the Trinity that would claim devotion when we claim devotion to Christ would come and dwell within us and make us the new temple of God, housing the presence of God himself within. On that day of Pentecost, Peter declared the truth that if we repent and believe, we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And on that day of Pentecost, the church grew by 3,000. For your math, you mathematicians, that means that the church grew by 26 times in one day. So the question begs after that, what do we do? What is next? How do you and I, how did this church stay connected and continue to grow to the fact that God added to their number daily? 
Once they made the choices that Peter outlined in Pentecost on that day to repent and be baptized and the Holy Spirit to come within them, what's next? If it was just that simple as those three steps, then honestly, we would need the rest of this book. But the fact is that the story of God, the people of God, were constantly struggling with obedience and how to love him. Obviously, these actions are powerful, and they have the opportunity to change our hearts. But just as Peter says to the people, we must beware, because others will try to sway you away. How do we fight that temptation? How do we live as Christ followers, faithful people, so others can experience his love through us? Well, this particular portion of Acts, I believe, paints the picture of how to live out faith, how to see others and to respond in the normal and in the everyday, in the ordinary, but then in the extraordinary life that is following God. These verses challenge us to be the body of Christ. And the first part of it, the most important thing that we have to focus on, starts in the second word of this section of verses. They devoted themselves. Devotion in the Greek meant to move towards something, to be strong in that movement, to continue steadfastly in something with unremitting care to it, constant readiness. It's important because this right here, this word, this call is the main directive that everything else flows out of. Devotion is what makes things in our lives matter. To be truly devoted is to follow God, meaning applying ourselves to every discipline of his, that he calls us to. One not being more important than the other, but all working together in accord. How will we know, how will others know that we're Christ followers? By our devotion to God. Now don't be fooled, because devotion and commitment They're not the same thing. See, I can be committed to a lot of things, but not really devoted to them. So what are you devoted to? What is that thing that's the deeper covenant in your heart, your mind, your body, and your soul? You just saw a video two weeks ago, we had VBS. And we taught our kids about the Shema, these words in the Old Testament and Deuteronomy that God gave the Jewish people, and he encouraged them to say them daily to remind themselves. The words, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And then the Lord goes on to say in that passage, these commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them to your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your home and on your gates. 
This is the devotion to God that the church is called to, that we as the followers of Christ must start to really live into, continue to dig into. We must be devoted people to God and to his work. And devotion, it takes action. It takes things that we have to move into, to move, remember, strong toward What's the first thing that they did within the first church of the, of the, with the Holy Spirit is they followed the apostles' teaching. They read the word of God. They listened to the words that the people who stood next to and bear witness to the miracles and authority of Jesus. They heard firsthand what God had done, what Jesus was doing, what was going to continue to happen. The spirit-filled church is a New Testament church in the sense that it studies and submits to the word of God. And the spirit of God leads the people to submit. So we as a community of faith must be devoted to the word of God. Studying it, Learning about it, learning from it, making it a regular part of our day, digging it into our hearts, asking God to illuminate the story for our understanding and to reveal more of his character. Scripture is the inspired and living word of God that speaks to us every day. And while some of the culture may be different, some of the words may be different, the fact is the message is the same, no matter when you pick it up. So be devoted to the word of God. Be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Dig it into your heart and to your soul. We also need to be devoted to fellowship, to quantania, that common partnership, that joint participation with other followers. We learn here that, that following Jesus is not an individual thing, but a communal thing. Fellowship with others is where we give and receive. It's where Jesus transforms us and unites us as one. And if you want to know one thing that I am extremely passionate about in my Christian walk, it's fellowship with believers. It's gathering together to sharpen one another. Let's be clear that all fellowship reflects God, but there is something beautiful and unique and deeper that happens when Christ's followers come together. When Christians gather on a Tuesday night for a Bible study, on a Friday morning for coffee and accountability, on a Saturday for a barbecue and to open the word, to attend small groups, Bible studies, Sunday school classes, senior adult teas, cooking for freezer meals for our community, creating 25,000 meals for our larger community. On a Thursday morning to read the word together before you go to school. That sharpens us. It bolsters our faith. It holds us accountable to our faith and to each other. It creates, creates bonds that carry us through tough times. It encourages us to dig deeper into scripture, to know God more. It pushes us to live our faith more clearly in the world. 
We were not created to be silos of Christians, one to another, not touching, not being with each other, but transformed by the fellowship of others. And you guys, it's modeled in the Trinity. It started at the beginning. And when God created us in his image, he meant for us to be in fellowship with one another. And true fellowship It can't happen only on a Sunday morning. It can't happen if you and your family attend church only once a month. Only send your kids to Sunday school once every six weeks or so. You can't be known. You can't invest in fellowship outside of one hour a week. An investment, it takes time. It takes prioritizing your life around what you are devoted to. And isn't it the truth sometimes that our schedules just become so filled with things that the things that we are really devoted to seem to fall off? Put what you're devoted to at the top. Be devoted to abiding fellowship with one another. The people of the first church of the way, they were also devoted to breaking the bread, to corporate worship. Being together as one body, standing shoulder to shoulder and declaring God in one voice, knowing a community of followers stands with you no matter what's going on. And doesn't that feel even more important in these days and times? When we're in a place where people are just kind of uncommitted to anything, waiting for the next thing that may happen that they could kind of jump on board with, to stand with one another and declare this is what we believe. This is who we follow. This is who we are. This is the God that we love. In the Bible, the people of God would gather for hours in front of the temple to hear the word of God, to declare him to others, to sing praises to his name. And somehow at some point, we just whittled it down to one hour a week, sometimes. When we need one another, when we need to stand with each other. But let's also be clear that when we come together in corporate worship and we declare God in our lives and we grow in our faith, it's not all about you. It's about God. It's about what God is doing, who He is, and what He can do in your life and the life of the person sitting next to you and the guest visiting for the first time, for the kid who just doesn't seem to be paying attention, for the person a few rows down who walked in completely distracted with some insecurities, and for the people in this community who have never walked through these doors. That's what devotion to coming together and standing and breaking the bread together is. Finally, the people of God were devoted to prayer. And in just a few weeks, we're going to spend weeks talking about what that particular thing looks like. How do we individually and corporately devote ourselves to prayer? Prayer is that replenishing by God. It's that conversation, that communion with God and with one another. There is something powerful when you stand with someone else and they pray and you just get to agree with the words that they speak to our God. And so I'll leave that one a little bit because Doug is going to dig much more deeply into that one in just a few weeks. But no, we are called to be devoted to prayer.
And what happens when we are devoted, the scripture tells us that people see and they are in awe of us. And it all comes upon all of us. And then these wonders and signs that we as the people of God, they will happen through us. When was the last time? When was the last time that you could declare to me, say, that was a wonder and a sign of God? He still does it. Does he do it through you? Do you allow him? Do you look for it? Do you see it? This is what happens when we are devoted people. As we continue to look at this passage, we see that the people were together and they had things in common. Those things in common was a sharing of values and beliefs, a profound regard for one another's spiritual, emotional, relational, and physical well-being. They voluntarily trusted that all would make a conscientious decision before God in the matters that they needed to consider as a community, individually, and that generosity would be a key. They were stewards of God's creation in all ways, and they didn't hold tightly to the stuff that God had given them. It was for God's purpose. It was for taking care of the the lost and the downtrodden and the orphan and the broken and the marginalized and the outcasts and the aliens. And for the ones in our community who just need or there's been loss in their family or loss in their life. All that we had, all that the people of God had was to be used for one another's need. The people of the way recapture this value. That God and the early church weren't against wealth. They weren't against wealth and money. They were against selfishness. And they devoted themselves to true willingness that all that we have is for sharing and needs. Selflessness, an idea that is difficult for our world to, get, to grasp right now. They attended temple together, the formal Sunday church. And while it wasn't the same, they gathered together to hear the teaching about Jesus. It shaped the individual and the community. They broke bread in homes together. The less formal, the, the small group the Bible group, the discussion, the sharing of the word that you talk about is application and discovery in our lives. Plus it, it mimics what Jesus did with those 12 that he gathered around him. Eating a meal and filling your belly while you, feel, you fill your soul with connection and that common communication of values and beliefs. And this, I believe, church, is where the potluck is mentioned more than anywhere else a sacred practice of the church to come together, to break bread with one another, to sit around and talk and love one another. And church, Trinity should bring this sacred practice back with joyful exuberance because there's, it's powerful. What that brings, the result of joy, fruit of the spirit in our lives Praising God, finding favor, attracting attention, fascinating men and women around us, showed the quality of life that can be emulated anywhere, worshiping with anyone who has need to know the Lord. In church, if we are devoted, 
If we are devoted to coming together and worshiping with one another, to fellowshipping with one another, to praying with one another, you guys, it tells us the Lord will add to the numbers. How amazing would it be because of our church's faithfulness, because of our missional reach and view that the word of God would infuse this community, not just in this church, but Ruston and beyond. And the Lord would do the work that we faithfully are called to be a part of. And people would come to know him because his people are passionately devoted to him. Salvation and church membership went hand in hand for God's people. He required that you can't have one without the other. You need one another. We need one another. And then we need to go out to the world. So my question for us, church, this morning is, is it possible to be an Acts 2 church? I've heard a lot of smart people say there's no way that an Acts 2 church could be recreated, that people could live in such a community, in such devotion to God. And I say, I don't agree. I believe that the Acts 2 church can be alive and growing. I believe that the Acts 2 church can be birthed out of Trinity United Methodist Church. But we have to ask ourselves, individually and corporately, are you devoted? Devoted to God, moving toward God steadfastly. Is he your focus? I encourage you to evaluate that. I mean honestly evaluate that. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture, but I'm telling you, it is convicting if you really want to live it. And it's hard And it takes time and attention. But man, I want people to know Jesus. I want people to come to know him the way that day of Pentecost, 3,000 flocked to who he is. A devoted group of people can live faithful lives that reflect God, the God of all creation, and find favor in their community. How do we live it out? Individually, and communally. And finally, when's the next church potluck? Let's pray. Father God, I don't know where anybody is in this room. I, I, I don't presume to judge and know I should not judge anyone. All I know is that I'm convicted by the fact that my devotion to you sometimes is very slim and low. But you have called me and us to something great because we have individually experienced your amazing love. We have surrendered to you and keep surrendering to you. I want others to know, God. And I believe that others will know by our devotion and our faith and our love for you and then for each other. Help us to be devoted, God to loving one another, to caring for one another, 
to committing to be in worship with one another, to digging into the word with one another, to praying, God, for mighty things to happen. Speak to our hearts, God. Call us out, and may we respond to you, God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.